side, myself, Bryce Kuhn. Will, we're back for another episode of The Crowded Booth. This is going to kick off a kind of week, weekly episode, but I don't think you could have asked for a better time to start an episode after week one of the college football season. First off, just your rapid thoughts on the season. Uh, very exciting. It was a great week. I mean, uh, of course, being a big Auburn fan, it was good to see Auburn come from behind and beat Oregon. Um, had some crazy ones. Georgia State knocking off Tennessee. Wyoming taking down Wyoming taking down uh, Missouri. Uh, good game between North Carolina and South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a you know action packed week one. Yeah, week one. I mean, we had like the week zero with Florida and right. the the high school game between Florida and Miami <laughs> a week ago. Felt, felt like one. Felt like one. But then you have kind of that kicking off with Thursday night, the drubbing that Georgia Tech took against Clemson. Yeah. But that's the defending national champions. Right. Georgia Tech is, in, in order for them to be relevant again, they need some years. And I think yeah. Jeff Collins is the right guy to lead that program. Yeah, I was honestly kind of impressed with their defense a little bit. Yeah, their defense, defense played pretty, played pretty well. well. I mean, that corner, uh, Swilling, I think it's Swilling, like. yes. Swilling. Made some really good plays. Yeah, Trey Swilling, he made some good plays. He almost had the pick six. Yeah. But uh, Trevor Lawrence decided to become a defensive player of the uh, year and knock him out of bounds. Trevor Lawrence is still Trevor Lawrence, as he showed us. <laughs> he is, he is. We're excited to be here on a Labor Day. We're hoping you have a happy Monday afternoon, or Monday morning. Maybe Monday afternoon when you watch this, when you listen to the podcast form on iTunes as well. But yeah, we're just going to sit here and kind of break this down. We have a couple special guests coming on. And I know one guy that's really excited, uh, Ben Moore of 24-7 Sports and uh, PantherTalk.com. He was up in Knoxville, and uh, I think he left happy with the, <laughs> the win that Georgia State obviously might have been the biggest storyline. Was it, you know, we'll talk about was it more of Georgia State's win or the disappointment for Tennessee and yeah. what this was supposed to be a year they may have contended for the SEC East. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the SEC East, wow, Whew. that was rough. You talked about the Missouri-Wyoming game. Uh, that was a game Missouri and new Missouri quarterback Kelly Bryant. He he did really well. Yeah, he had a good game. He was thirty-one for forty-eight over four hundred yards passing. I mean, one ter- one interception. One interception. You know, I mean, it's not on him. I yes. mean, they put up thirty-one. I'd say if you're putting up thirty, it's not on the offense. It's not That's on, the on offense. your defense. It is indeed. And you look at the rest of the East. Obviously, Florida with the kind of sloppy win over Miami. Um, South Carolina loses a heartbreaker to their, I will say their rival, North Carolina, but that was Mac Brown's return to coaching, yeah. a return to North Carolina, which was a fun sight. He got emotional at the game. Personally, I'm just excited college football's back. It was nice to yeah. wake up on a Saturday morning, see college game day, uh, wake up and see um, Iowa State take on Northern <laughs> Iowa in a triple overtime thriller to start off your 12 o'clock slate. I mean, yeah. football's back. And uh, Will, being an Auburn fan, you ended the night. You call, I called you right afterwards, and you yeah. said, man, this is, uh, this is very interesting. But, yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and try to get Ben on the phone. He's going to talk about either the Georgia State-Tennessee game. He was there. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I know he was excited for it. Um, and going into that game, I'll prelude a little bit as we get him on the phone. Going into that game, uh, you had the opportunity, really, for – to kind of build something, but uh, hey Ben, you there? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, Will Manis is alongside me. Ben, we're live here, and we just want to get your first your opening thoughts in a game that really outside of you know you and the community, the the Panther family, no one really gave Georgia State a shot. But I just started off with you know people say this is a program defining victory um, and program changing, kind of a culture change. In your opinion, what does this do for the program? Yeah, just an incredible statement. 
never losing season for Sean Elliott as a player or coach, uh, coaching at 23 years. Uh, certainly, we know his history at App State, and uh, you know uh, his time there in South Carolina as well. Uh, but no, just uh, you know, just continue to go. And, and I go back to uh, you know what I said Saturday, and what I saw several folks that were in attendance as well say is, is George State's offensive line really dominated the front seven of Tennessee. And uh, to come out and see a Sun Belt team come out and just punch an SEC team in the mouth uh, was pretty impressive. And the game plan was very solid. Uh, kudos to Coach Elliott and his his first year offensive coordinator Brad Glenn as well. Uh, they had Tennessee on skates for most of the afternoon. Uh, you just saw uh, there was no fear. Uh, from the very first, from warm-ups, uh, Coach Elliott mentioned, hey, uh, look up uh, look up in the stands, kind of drink it in. I'd let that be their one moment and uh, then you know, get out to uh, the task at hand. But uh, no, you can't, can't certainly put a price on the last you know, 24 to 48 hours of national exposure. And now, I've said a couple times in the last uh, little bit, uh, how, do they handle, how do the Panthers handle this prosperity? You know, with the home game looming against an FCS bowl uh, in Furman, who's going to say, hey, you know what, we want to knock the team off that beat Tennessee. So uh, certainly a great opportunity uh, for the Panthers and uh, one that we're going to capitalize on. Ben, Dan Ellington really had the opportunity on national TV to kind of showcase his skill set. And, you know, I was able to watch him a couple times last year, and obviously his first year at Georgia State being last year. Talk about his play in Neyland Stadium, which is not an easy environment to go in. And you talked about the SEC factor, and we all heard the postgame quote from Sean Elliott. But just his development while at Georgia State, I mean, he was good last year, but I felt I really felt like he was more comfortable even in Neyland Stadium's environment. No, no question. Very, very poised under pressure. Uh, never really looked rattled or out of control. Uh, didn't have uh, a great touch on his passes uh, in the, kind of there in the second quarter, uh, but took, took the most of the opportunity and made big plays on third down. That was the most impressive thing to me, uh, kind of taking uh, what, what the defense was giving them, really diagnosing the looks. Uh, this team you know, looked very well prepared, and the offensive unit looked like they had a game plan and just went out and executed it. The thing that just jumps out specifically to me is 53 rushing attempts. You know, they were uh, looking to pound the ball, and that's not something you usually see against the SEC uh, defense. And certainly one, one larger uh, front seven is the Panthers will face all season. It certainly gives, the, gives that offensive line uh, you know, some, uh, some confidence moving forward. But Dan's uh, cool. Cool, steady, collected. Uh, you know, going back to his first ever game in a Georgia State uniform. You know, rallying a home victory over over Kennesaw State, uh, throwing a touchdown pass there. He certainly isn't afraid to make a big time throw, a big time catch, and uh, that that run to basically seal the game, juking two Tennessee defenders uh, was was one for the highlight reel for sure. But he said back in the spring, he said, "Hey, don't be shocked if uh, we come up with a game plan and go out there and, and execute and and, uh, and knock off Tennessee." That was. That was in April, and certainly he lived true to those words uh, on Saturday afternoon. And I like what you said as well about this is kind of sets the, the tone for the rest of the season. Georgia State facing Furman at home, obviously, this weekend. I've already seen, you know, got the alert on my phone of they're doing the ticket deal, the $38.30 for a four-ticket plan and everything, and they're going to ride high on this momentum. But for a season when Georgia State really, and the Sun Belt preseason rankings, really wasn't picked to do anything, for their confidence the rest of the year and as they get it, conference play what do you think this does for the program and the, and the team for this season yeah just huge i mean this this team is still very very young 48 uh, freshmen and sophomores on this roster 23 freshmen played last year and, and took their knocks and kind of have learned from that opportunity uh there were several true freshmen that were on the on the field at Neyland stadium and just looking to grow and build uh off that game one experience and more importantly a win uh but it just is enormous now and now the focus comes to 
their own building where they now uh, work out and train, practice. Uh, they're there owning that, you know, and kind of even owning their own building. But uh, that starts right there. And then on the right against Western Michigan uh, as well, another team that has uh, had some success uh, in recent years. And the Panthers looking to, uh, to try to land a blow there. But it all comes down to, to, to Furman this weekend. We know in the Panthers' history, uh, they've never been 2-0. and So this is another uh, potential checklist item. Uh, another first that can go on the on, on the docket, and I know Coach Elliott uh, is going to let these guys enjoy it for a day, and uh, then get back to the task at hand and, and continue to build. Sounds good. Well, Ben, you enjoy the rest of your Labor Day, and I know it's going to be a fun season in Atlanta the rest of the way. Thanks, Val. Appreciate you having me. Take care. I mean, Will, I think he hit the nail right on the head. That was a big win for Georgia State, and he yep. said it: forty-eight freshmen and sophomores on that team. Uh, That's a young football yeah. team, and I think yeah. that says something. As, as you know, obviously we are in the South and SEC's king, but we've seen over the years the upsets that have taken place. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the most storied, the Appalachian State over Michigan. Right. We've seen Georgia Southern knock off some teams, but I mean that's a program. Yeah. There's way. there's no such thing as a cupcake anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, there's talent at every level now. So you got to bring it every week. You can't you can't look a week ahead to anybody. Yeah, and I love what he said. You know about. Uh, the quarterback play. I mean, Ellington, if you watch that game, not a lot of people knew who Dan Ellington coming in. This is a guy who played junior college for two years from over in Mississippi, and then he comes and really shows out on a national stage and yeah. showcases why he can uh, win a game with his arm and his feet. And I'll tell you anything, anytime uh, you know, a non-Power 5 opponent or even an FCS opponent has a dual-threat quarterback, you get a little bit nervous because you yeah. know the guy can beat you in multiple ways, and Tennessee yep. found out the hard way. And before we get Josh on and Mixon, who will be our next guest, and talk about that Auburn-Oregon game, I want to get your thoughts for Tennessee. And, you know, yeah. I know you're not very fond of Tennessee football. Neither am I <laughs> Not a, in, in my fandom. Yes. But <laughs> you see Tennessee. For Georgia State, this is a program-defining mm-hmm. win, a statement victory, the first real victory. They're only, they've only been a program for 10 years. Right. For Tennessee, in a season where they felt like they might have a shot to kind of be in that 2-3 spot in the mm-hmm. SEC East, I mean, now yeah. you worry about getting bowl eligible. Really. Right. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's kind of a tail of two turns in, or tail of two tides and essentially a three-and-a-half-hour span, your season changes. Yeah, well, like you said, uh, they were expecting to, to make some noise in the East. You know, I've heard some people even going as far as saying they'll be 9-3. and three. Um, Eight and four was really the, the realistic expectation, so I'm saying nine and three, but... You know, the big thing now for them is, mm-hmm. and, and for Jeremy Pruitt and that coaching staff is, you know, really getting in the players. We can't let this define our season, yeah. right? Yeah. It can be, you know, like a blemish. I mean, just uh, like comparing it to Auburn losing to Tennessee last year. You know, Tennessee underperforming last year, playing well against Auburn. Auburn overcame that, right? Had a, You know, finished the year fairly strong because that was in the middle of the year. Auburn slumped and mm-hmm. – and, Got it, and then capped the off for the big bowl win. So Tennessee can do the same thing. Uh, they got the whole season to make up for it. You know, they're gonna have to work. They got a tough schedule too. They got to play, uh, of course, Georgia and Alabama. Alabama every year. Every year. <laughs> gotta, they got to go down to Florida. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about Florida, but after you lose to a team like Georgia State, you bring up a lot of question marks. It does, and I think they have a tough opponent coming in there now. I mean, they have BYU who kind of cool. got beat yeah. up on national TV, and BYU's no slouch. No, they're a good football team. Just kind of showcases how good Utah was, and yeah. maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, a BYU conversation. Pac-12, Pac-12 might have something to say about with Utah and obviously the play of Oregon. Right. But as we get closer 
Two, you know, entering that conference play, which usually starts about week three, week four for Georgia. Obviously, it started week one and for some other schools. But I think it's a lot to say. Tennessee, it's one game. Right. Very disappointing. But what happens from here on out from week to, week two to week 13, week 14, is really going to what makes this your right. season. And yeah. they have a chance to do that. And so, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Um, this was the best time for it to happen because they can yeah. overcome it. If it happens, you know, the late October and November, uh, cupcake that's thrown in there, that can yeah. really just derail the last few weeks of the year. It can, and I think that would kind of derail the confidence maybe going into a bowl game. Mm-hmm. You get it out of the way, I know Jeremy Pruitt's going to come in on, on today, Monday morning, because you know they're there Monday. You oh, know yeah. they're there Monday. No they, don't, they know days off after <laughs> even after a loss like that, but uh, they're going to come in and they're going to try to say, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Some stuff doesn't work because, yeah. I mean, I was talking with Ben as well, and he was telling me, you know, they, it's not like Tennessee didn't have the athletes to win oh, yeah. that game. And, I, and maybe they relied on that speed, the, the athleticism, to beat a Georgia State team. But, yeah. I mean, when you show up to play, and that's one of the beautiful things about college ball, any given Saturday, right. anybody can beat anybody. That's right. Um, so it's a lot of fun. We're going to get Josh Mixon on the line now. Josh Mixon is a uh, the sports writer in, for the Ledger Inquirer in Columbus, Georgia. He covers about 17 different uh, high schools, it feels like, and covers Auburn as well. And was uh, talking with Josh, and he's going to be on. Hey, Josh, can you hear us? Hey, Bryce. Hey, man. So we're live here. We just want to first off say uh, congratulations that you got through a Friday with all the high school sports happening in Columbus. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got through two Fridays, so, you know, double the luck. Uh, that, that first Friday was a, a fun time considering the fact that there's little to no internet in Harris County and no McDonald's to file any stories from in Harris County. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's definitely kind of a, a stressful job, but it's a rewarding one as well. And so, Josh, you have spent a little time around the Auburn football program as you have you know, been a part of uh, the, the Ledger Inquirer staff and everything. And I feel like I saw on your social media, you were essentially over there every single day waiting for Gus to announce a quarterback. Well, he finally announced it. And Bo Nix, I mean, the kid's almost already a legend at this point after the performance. But take me back to camp. In your opinion, what was the feedback from Malzahn and maybe some other coaching staff about what that quarterback battle was? Yeah, uh, so to us in the media, it was almost kind of a, you know, go ahead and announce this thing already. Because uh, most of us had a decent idea of, of who the starting quarterback was going to be. Uh, some of the things that they were looking for just as far as that quarterback battle goes, they were looking for obviously the guy who could command the offense better. They were looking for a guy who was more consistent. And they were looking for a guy who, you know, truly understood the playbook better, and that ultimately ended up being Bo Nix. Um, I know in, there were several reports. I didn't go to any of the practice availabilities, um, and we're not really allowed to see much anyways. But you know, he was just a guy that was more consistent. He was in the, the two scrimmages, was leading more drives for touchdowns. The offense was performing better with him. Um, and he also had a better grasp on the playbook because um, you know his high school ran essentially the same uh, playbook that he does now in, at Auburn. Uh, his dad bothered, or his dad borrowed a lot of Gus Malzahn's uh, concepts and plays uh, when he coached him in high school. So you know, that that really wasn't much of a surprise. I think Gatewood still is a good quarterback. No, absolutely no disrespect to him. Um, I think it was just a matter of you know Nick's came in and had the more consistent fall uh, because I think it really was uh, an open quarterback battle going into fall camp. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was, and I remember, like I said, I remember seeing your social media every day, your Instagram story, we're back again, still hadn't heard anything, but uh, obviously the performance, I mean, 
Will and I were talking about it before we went live and kind of as we were leading into talking to you, but there were still freshman mistakes out on the field. But for Nixon, like what you said, he brings, do you feel like, and you've been around, you've seen SEC, obviously, um, being from this area and everything, Auburn has kind of been starved for that consistent quarterback play, really ever since Cam Newton was there for one year. And having a guy that could be a two- to three-year starter, do you feel like this has the makings, obviously with the legacy, if he's a guy that could lead this team for not only 2019 but beyond? Yeah, well, you know, in addition to not having a true two- to three-year starter in a while, Auburn hasn't really had a true dual-threat quarterback since 2013 and Dick Marshall. Um, you know, since he left, it's been you know, Sean White, Jeremy Johnson to a degree. But, I mean, if you look at, you know, strictly stats, Marshall was the only true dual-threat quarterback that Malzahn's had. Um, and so I think that opens up the playbook a lot. It lets it lets uh, Gus do a lot more with his offensive approach than maybe in the past. Um, I know everyone make, likes to make a huge deal about, you know, Gus has reclaimed play-calling duties. <laughs> um, and, and that's kind of to be determined on how well that works long-term. But, you know, this is a, it's a promising start, and having a two- to three-year starter, um, you know, I think that bodes well going into the rest of this season and also next year and the year after that because, you know, you, there's going to be growing things this season. Um, and, I mean, if we're being completely honest here, Knicks really didn't play that well until the fourth quarter against Oregon. Um, and his stats aren't that flashy either, 177 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Um, but he showed really late in the game, once he got into a rhythm, once Gus got into a rhythm calling the plays, that he can really command this offense and really do some good things with it. All right, man, we'll let you get some rest. We know you had a busy weekend, everything. High school football is definitely in full swing. We had to bring you on again to talk about some of the talent in this area, in the Chattahoochee Valley area. But, hey, man, you have a good Labor Day. Thanks, guys. Take care. Well, I think he hit the nail right on the head. I mean, I think, I, so too. I think he said, you know, let's not crown him the goat yet, the savior yet, yeah. but he definitely yeah. has the playmaking skills, and we saw that. That yeah. last drive and kind of in the fourth quarter, he showed why he was a top recruit. The play that sticks out to me in the game more than more than the touchdown pass mm-hmm. to win the game was the fourth and three. The bootleg called his own number, got the, you know, half an inch more than he needed, yep. literally. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, quote comes out after the game from uh, Auburn running back, Booby Whitlow, told Bo Nix in the huddle, give me the ball. I'm getting these yards. Give me the ball. And he didn't. Bo took it himself and, and made the play. And, you know, just the the, the guts of a yeah. freshman has in a, in a definitely at Auburn. Massive not been stadium and it gets a big time opponent. Yeah. I mean, Auburn has not had a freshman quarterback or a first-time starter quarterback show guts like that mm-hmm. in, in a long time. So, I mean, as an Auburn fan, and I think all Auburn fans agree with me that there's a ton of excitement, a lot to be excited for, you know, just we're glad he's under center and got the win, basically. I mean, I don't think anybody really cared. Yeah. I mean, you know, kind of had our thoughts of who it would be, but I don't think anybody, you know, just like Let's just get point, the win. Get the win, put the best guy out there, whoever's the best, put him out there. And I think it gives a great opportunity because you see week one, and we talked about the cupcakes. There are some right. games. I mean, LSU beat up on Georgia Southern. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was wild. Yeah. Next week, Auburn has Tulane coming in mm-hmm. to Jordan-Hare, and I think that's going to be an opportunity for Knicks to maybe work out some of those kinks yeah. and stay, you know, kind of a, not as a, not of a high-pressure situation. You're not playing on yeah. primetime TV. It's not the college right. game day set. But I think it's an exciting thing mm-hmm. and for Auburn fans to finally have that. And we pointed out in the offseason, we're just talking to each other, 
and I told you, you know, I'm, I'm not an I was not, I'm not an Auburn fan, but I mean Auburn has really needed a quarterback that could come in and stabilize yeah. that quarterback room mm-hmm. in a position. And like what Josh said, no disrespect to Gatewood. No. I mean, he's a good player. Right. I think Gatewood could have been that guy too. I mean, to stabilize the quarterback room. You know, he came in, had a huge play, got the touchdown for us on the the little power, I guess mm-hmm. you call yeah. it, where he went over the top. Um, so we need him. I mean, I hope he, you know, sticks around past this year. We know with all the transfers and everything, I hope he sticks around because we need him. Uh, we know Gus loves having a big body quarterback to take some hits like that. And uh, Bo Nix is not built like Joey Gatewood, so. No, he's he's not. But I mean, you may see Gatewood be used in maybe them some of those goal line situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I mean, we covered some Auburn, Oregon. We covered some Georgia State, Tennessee. Both big wins in different ways for those programs. Yeah. Obviously, week one's not over. When this when we're filming this episode, if you're listening to it in podcast form on maybe Wednesday or Thursday, obviously week one's over. Notre Dame, Louisville kicking off tonight. I mean, I like Labor Day weekend because you got football every night. Yeah. Last night was Oklahoma, Houston. Where yeah. Jalen Hurts put on a show. We're going to talk about this real quick. Out of the transfer quarterbacks, people have called it the Jake Fromm effect because he came <laughs> in and everyone's moved. Right. Um, who stood out to you? And we'll, we'll name those. You had Jacob Eason at Washington get his first start. You had Justin Fields who really did well against an FAU team that was very overmatched, but he right. did what he needed to do. Yep. You had Jalen Hurts. Tate Martell last week did not – show up and I think he showed up in a wide, a wide receiver position yeah. maybe one or two plays but who stood out to you and Kelly Bryant as well I mean that's tough I mean you had a lot that played really good games um but I think it's hurts I mean yeah. pretty easily I mean I think Houston was the the best team uh that any of the transfer quarterbacks went up against um and hurts was Jalen hurts I mean but he he showed how improved he is at throwing the ball. I mean, that was – there's no question now if he was any better. I mean, yeah. you know, we saw him last year a lot in mop-up duty at Alabama. So Where know, they're trying to burn clock right. and everything. Yeah, so the little bit he threw looked great. But it's kind of like, yeah, they're already up by a lot. Um, but another one, you know, well, Hurts, Hurts number one. But I'm still really – I really like Jacob Eason. Yeah. You know, they played Eastern Washington, and he did what he had to do, but – I mean, that's my dark horse Heisman pick right there. Mark I that think, down. Yeah. I no, think, I, I agree with you. I think Jacob Eason will lead Washington to the playoff. You know, I really do. Because I think he's got it. He's got it. He does. And people people dog on him, for saying, no pun intended, when he was at Georgia because he struggled a little bit right. in that first year. But you got to think, the talent that Georgia had in their first year with Kirby, with Eason at the helm, is vastly different than what right. what and obviously they had Chubb and Michelle. Yeah. I get that, but it's just a, a better offensive line. Off more. Yeah, and but Houston we'll got a lot of their points in the second half. I mean, they got what three touchdowns in the second half after being shut out in the first quarter. Um, but don't don't close the book on Houston. I mean, yeah. Dana Holgerson, really good coach. Oh, very he's going to lead genius. them. Yeah, he's going to get them back right. They had a tough first game. Um, you know, of course, he's familiar with Oklahoma, but Oklahoma brought in a new defense coordinator, so there's some different things there. So, um, not the same Oklahoma that he's faced, but yeah. Houston will be in there. I think they probably, you know, I think they'll be back in the conference championship game in the American. All right, Will, we're going to take a look at week two. Now, obviously, next week we'll be coming back in talking about what happened. The biggest game on tap, two biggest games. College yeah. game day is going to be in Austin, Texas, LSU, Texas, a matchup that 
I'm really excited to see. Texas, who a team that, you know, Ellinger said, hey, we're back. Texas is back after that Sugar Bowl win yep. over Georgia. Well, now they get a test and one of the I mean, one of the more impressive victories of week one, you know, you don't want to yeah. say, oh, we beat up on a lesser opponent, but LSU, a 55-3 to drubbing over Georgia Southern, which personally for me, I didn't expect that because Georgia Southern, with their option offense, has the ability to control the pace of the game. Yeah. And so that was very – I didn't think that LSU had the chance to score 55 yeah. points. Yeah. But you have LSU going into Austin, playing Texas, and what's going to be a primetime matchup. And then a rematch of last year, Texas A&M-Clemson. But this time it's in Death Valley. Yeah. This time though, it's Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, yeah. Yeah. who many think that he could have just yeah. came out and went to the NFL mm-hmm. last year. But what are your two takes on that game? Those games. Well, to start with LSU Texas, this is, I mean, if Texas is back, they got to show it this week. Mm-hmm. They have one chance. If they can, they don't, they don't necessarily have to win. But if they can play well, because LSU is a top ten team, they're yeah. a very talented team. They got a great defense. And they're an they're kind of a dark horse playoff contender, yeah. really. I mean, right. they are right. So I would say I think LSU is the better team. But if Texas is back, they've got to be in this ball game. They've got to have a chance to win this game. They've got to play well, you know. And then not just that, but for the rest of the year, they got to show it in the Big Twelve because I think they're, you know, them and Oklahoma are really one A and one B in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. So they're. You know they need they got to get back to the Big Twelve championship regardless of what they do against LSU. They got to play well against LSU, get to the Big Twelve championship game, and then we can start saying okay, might be back. And they're gonna have a pretty impressive resume. That that yeah. out of conference. If they beat, if they LSU, beat LSU and, and they, then win the Big Twelve, and then most likely probably a playoff team. Most likely would have beat Oklahoma twice. Yeah. In a potential championship because obviously with Big Twelve going to the championship game last year, right? Every major conference has a championship mm-hmm. game now, which I like. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's gonna be something. But mm-hmm. for Joe Burrow, I mean, this is a guy who was tested last time. People doubted him. It was against a Georgia team. Well, he's just a game manager. He showed out, and LSU throttled Georgia yeah. at home in Death Valley. Their version of Death Valley in Baton right. Rouge. But you're going to have a game where they come in and they will attempt to try to up. I, I don't know. If, I don't know the line out yet. I'm not. A, I'm not a betting man myself. We have some friends that are. Yeah. But LSU is going to come in to a hostile environment, defending this SEC pride that really got took a took a couple of hits and bruises in Week yeah. One. We talked about that. But I'm excited about that. And then Texas A&M Clemson. I mean, Kellen Mond, you, you go back one year. Kelly Bryant's the quarterback of Clemson, coming off leading Clemson to a playoff appearance. They got beat by Alabama really bad. Mm-hmm. But now it's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Completely different offense. ETN, the running back, he was unreal against Georgia Tech. And we understand that's a, that's a Tech team that right. is kind of rebuilding as we go, and they're going to mm-hmm. have some rough games. But for you, what does Texas A&M have to do to – is this game even close, in your opinion, with Lawrence at quarterback now? I don't know because when I look at Texas A&M, I see a team with all the potential to be mm-hmm. right there in, in November, December, saying knocking on the door of a playoff appearance. But I also see a Texas A&M team that is similar to Auburn in the fact that they got a strong defense. Their defense is going to show up and keep them in ball games, but their offense is going to let them down. And that really comes down to Kellen Mond at quarterback. Up and down year last year, um, game that sticks out most to me is, is the Auburn game. Had the big second half lead, mm-hmm. threw it away, literally. <laughs> yes, two, literally. Two second half interceptions that really turned that game. So 
he's going into another hostile environment. Um, you know, I think Clemson's going to pull it off. You know, if it's two touchdowns, it's probably a late score. So I think it'll be a close game. Um, I don't really see Jimbo Fisher really putting the ball in the hands of his quarterback yeah. too much. I think he's going to try to establish a running game, which is big for any any quarterback, obviously. But I think he's going to try to win it with uh, the running game and the defense and not put it on Mond to make all the plays. Yeah, I think this is maybe Kellen Mond's you know, game that he could really break out. If he, yeah. if he, if he were able to do that, we're not saying that – A&M's going to walk in there and walk all over Clemson. Right, right. Even though Clemson lost that vaunted defensive line, they, had, they got good players. Yeah. And they got a really good team. Yeah. That offense is one of the most high-powered offenses, if not the most high-powered offense in the country, mm-hmm. with Lawrence, ETN, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. I mean, that is an yeah. unreal little core group of four guys <laughs> yeah. right there that yeah. any other head coach, I don't care who you are, is jealous of that core four. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see, interesting to watch as well. Well, College Football's back. Oh, yeah. It's back. Full, full swing. swing. Full swing. Ready to go. I love it having week one, big games in week one. You know, that, that trend that started with the, the playoff. Everybody yeah. Make the resumes look better. It's great. It's not like a three-week lull to start of the year. It's going from the You're from the exactly jump. right. You're, it, football's back. We had an interesting week one tonight. Notre Dame takes on Louisville. Louisville's not the same team they were when Lamar Jackson was there. Right. But I'm telling you, everyone south of the Mason-Dixon – is hoping that Louisville figures out a way to Everybody's rooting for Louisville, Notre which Dame. I don't think anybody's been able to say for a while. You're <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. I think you're going to see that, and I think you're also going to see as well some games to kind of look forward to. I know I'm ready for this one. When Notre Dame and those gold helmets run onto the field at Sanford <laughs> Stadium, at Vince Dooley Field now at Sanford Stadium, I don't think Athens – I think that might be the most electric atmosphere that Athens – has. I mean, that's going to be an unreal game. I tell you what, if I was a Notre Dame fan, I wouldn't be making that trip. <laughs> you, Notre, Notre Dame fans way. listening, we may have one or two. <laughs> Will says to not even make the trip down from South Bend, Indiana. Watch at home. You don't, you don't want to have any trouble because you're going to be really outnumbered. <laughs> you are, you are. It's going to be, I and mean, we saw Georgia 75% at Vanderbilt Stadium. Unreal. It was a home game. Unreal. It was a home game. I mean, there, the stadium was louder on a third down for Vanderbilt. <laughs> It's crazy. College football's back. We thank you for watching. Make sure to listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, all the above. Will, thanks for joining us. I know he's going to be just elated until next Saturday when you get a little nervous because, you know, any time a lower lower opponent, you remember the Jacksonville State game. Yes. You remember the Jacksonville State game against Auburn. So you got to hold your breath until it actually happens. But we thank you for watching. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any suggestions for the show, let us know, and make sure to like and subscribe.